What's up, sports fans? Welcome to another edition of the DC Sports Huddle. It is sponsored by MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork, waving my hand in front of my face because y'all can't see me, literally, because we're video free this week. And uh, I'm alongside Dave Preston, our resident AP Top 25 voter, and the long overdue first appearance on the huddle for Christine Brennan, USA Today columnist and commentator for CNN, ABC News, and PBS NewsHour, and someone who should get a gold jacket for her coverage of the green jacket. She's on her way to Augusta to uh, cover the Masters. So glad to have you, Christine. Oh, my gosh, guys. Great to be with you. You know, I'm the biggest WTOP fan there is. It's it's my, you know, the background noise of my life. Uh, it's not in my kitchen. <laughs> it's not in my car. And uh and I know, of course, we know each other well from events and, and what have you, but it is an absolute delight to be on with you. Thanks so much for having me. Christine, before we get underway, are, are you locked into the 25 and 55 now that the rest of us have had to adjust to over the last month? I still get a mini heart attack at 14 minutes and 58 seconds past the hour because I think I'm supposed to be on. Well, there are times when I am turning it on and, and I want, I was expecting on, on, you know, 15 and 45 and, and it was shocking to the system. And, uh, I'm, I'm working through that. I, I may need a little uh, therapy to, <laughs> to get over it. I know. It, she's but, been on our air yeah, so many it, times. I feel like she should have gotten the internal memo that we all got before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm not quite sure why. I, I, I guess there's a reason for everything, but I think like most, faithful top listeners for for decades we will adjust accordingly i i am definitely doing that but uh, you guys do such a great job and um and always enjoy it so wherever you are in the, yeah. in the hour i'll find you we love it and uh, we're gonna clip that that's yeah that's, pro- that's, that should that's be a, a promo that's right a there save. now uh we're gonna start with the ncaa tournament it was the most watched and most anticipated women's tournament ever i don't think it's hyperbolic to uh, say that the numbers came in from the championship game uh, nearly 10 million viewers. To put that in perspective, that's more than the average Thursday night NFL game from this past season on Amazon. So I have two takeaways from this, and I want to get, uh, you know, obviously uh, Dave is an AP Top 25 voter. Uh, Christine has been uh, doing this forever. Two takeaways that I had from this tournament is that the women's tournament surpassed the men's in appeal and quality in play. And I think the second thing that I took away from it was seeing the cousins, Angel Reese and Jordan Hawkins, win titles in consecutive days as a reminder for those who know and an announcement for those who don't that the DMV area is a hotbed for elite basketball talent, even if there is not a juggernaut team, pro or collegiate in this area. Would you agree with this, Dave Preston? You're selling the Wizards short. Actually, actually, no, we're all Wizards selling the Wizards. Been selling the Wizards yeah, short no. for 40 no, I, years. I, I, what, what impressed me about this tournament was about both tournaments was just the the storylines. If the storylines are told, people will follow them to the screens. Uh, you know, South Carolina, the unbeaten juggernaut on the women's side. You know, they were you know chasing an unbeaten season, and nobody was beating them throughout the course of the season. Even eventual champion LSU. Um, you, you had Caitlin Clark for Iowa. You had LSU, the eventual champion, uh, 
so many great storylines on the women's side, so many great storylines on the men's uh, side as well. March is truly my favorite time of the year for three reasons. We know about the Girl Scout cookies. I'm a tag-alongs <laughs> guy. We know about the Shamrock Shakes. Uh, minty goodness can be a, a great thing. And the NCAA tournament, the one-and-done uh, you know, for both the men and the women, you, it is really a high-wire act where you see upsets, you see great play, and I, I think we were rewarded with uh, you know three great weeks of tournament basketball on both the men's and the women's side. And, and the biggest, I, I don't want to call it a complaint, but I, I think some one thing that is said often about the women's tournament is that you don't have as many upsets, that you you can pretty much put the one seed in the final four every year and more often than not you'll be right but this was the first year christine where i feel like you could just crumple up your bracket and throw it away on the women's side is that is that fair to say i absolutely i agree with that 100 percent. and of course the irony is that the first 16 beating a one was of course in the women's tournament years ago Stanford losing to Harvard. And so, you know, it is funny that we talk about that because I agree, it's, it's usually chalk, right? It's usually, yeah. okay, most, you know, three number ones, four number ones making it to the final four. Obviously, two number ones went out very quickly, Indiana being one of them and Stanford the other. But to me, there are two words that this whole three weeks has been. I think it's a takeaway socially, culturally, not just in sports. And those two words, are Caitlin Clark. Yeah. I think the revelation of Clark, the fact that guys who are good friends of mine who would never turn on women's basketball, who always said, oh, it's, you know, it's not as good as the men's, you know, blah, blah, blah. We know all those kind of sexist comments have been made over the years. Those guys are tweeting up a storm about how great Caitlin Clark is. I cannot yeah. tell you guys how significant that is. When, and it reminded me so much of the 99 Women's World Cup. And not just, I mean, Brandi Chastain and that whole moment in the cover of Time, Newsweek, People, and Sports Illustrated. No story in the history of stories has ever done what the Women's World Cup did uh, in July of 99 in terms of reaching an audience far beyond sports. But this is, has that same ring to it for me. I think that in 20 years, we'll look back at this moment and say this was that stepping stone to the next level for women's sports, not just women's basketball. I think Caitlin Clark is that big of a deal. I think that men who, again, would rather never have admitted they would watch women's basketball would have absolutely died to have a ticket to the, the, the women's final four. And I can't even believe I said those words. And it's wonderful for our daughters and our granddaughters and our nieces. And just, again, the advancement of women in our culture and women in sport. Yeah. And to that point, Christine, I, I was thinking about this before this show. And this Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark battle reminded me a lot of Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird, both culturally and in terms of the quality of the of the matchup, because that that whole Angel Reese Bayou Barbie persona is not very dissimilar from Magic Showtime persona. And Clark is just as vicious a trash talker mm. as Larry Bird is. And and somehow it's not deemed as threatening because like Larry Bird, she is white. And so you saw that entire I don't even want to, like I always use air quotes when I say controversy because I don't I don't know that it's controversial. I just think people reacted to it differently. But, you know, with that whole thing with the uh, you can't see me, you know, waving in the face and and all of that, like it, it just it just really showed how differently 
people view a black athlete versus a white athlete because that's exactly what it comes down to. Caitlin Clark did the exact same thing as Angel Reese and got a very different reaction. And, you know, as yeah. as much as I hate to to see that dichotomy play out, at the same time, it brought so much attention to the women's game. It brought so much flavor and flair and eyeballs to that sport that I think it's going to end up being like a net positive in some ways. Oh, without a doubt. Tanya and Nancy, once we realized yeah. that Nancy Kerrigan was okay, yeah. turned out to be the greatest thing to happen to figure skating. Yeah. TV ratings were 48.5 ratings, sixth highest rated show in television history from the Lillehammer Olympics back in 1994 once Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan were, were skating. I covered every second of that. Changed my life. You yeah. know, best-selling books. I mean, everything. This isn't quite that, but it, but it has, I mean, last, we're talking on Tuesday, right? Last night, I'm on CNN talking about Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and just the whole Iowa LSU thing. While the men's game is going on, I, I said, can you, that's why this is so great. Controversy is great. And uh, <laughs> yeah. national conversations on topics are great, too. Um, I agree with you, Rob. There is racism, obviously, still yeah. in our country and in perceptions of athletes. And I know my colleague Mike Freeman alluded to this when he wrote the column, a column about this yesterday, that what Angel Reese did, she did it after the game, and she, it went on much longer than what Caitlin Clark did in a previous game. And, of course, Caitlin Clark didn't do it to Angel Reese because right. they weren't playing each other. And that's fair. Um, yeah. And yeah, I believe fair. Clark was doing it to her bench. I think she went to a timeout doing it. But I'm sure she was definitely – the trash talking of Clark is part of yeah. her allure. I mean, that's, that brings in the guys. Right. Um, and it it's actually makes her fun. You know, can you hear me? You know, and the whole bit. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of fun to when she hits a three to win a game. Um, she is every bit celebrating, and people love it. And so that's great. I do think that Angel Reese, I'm sure, did not realize the cameras captured all that. It went on for quite a few seconds, and she's following her. Mm-hmm. I, so there is a difference. And you and I were talking about this, Christine, is – how much of that was Kim Mulkey sort of building up in their heads? Like, you see how much they're talking about Caitlin Clark, and they were just, like, going right. after her. Like, how much of that maybe yeah. plays into it? I've known Mulkey for a long time. Yeah. Um, she, there's real issues with her. She's anti-gay. Yeah. I wouldn't speak out about her former player, Brittany Griner. She was right. anti-COVID uh, testing during the women's tournament a couple years ago. So, very troublesome. Yes. But also... a a fascinating person and a great coach, great, yeah. great coach. And of course, great player and, and amazing. I think she revved up her players, guys, like to the moon and back <laughs> on the issue of you're being disrespected and Caitlin Clark's getting everything and you guys aren't getting anything. So by the way, that's smart coaching that, you know, yeah. go for it. I mean, do whatever you want. Right. Yeah. But I think what happened and I, I, I may try to report this at some point, it's just a hunch from covering sports all these years is that then they win, even with foul calls and the technical on Clark and whatever yeah. else, and Kim Mulkey's out in the middle of the court and doesn't get a technical, very weird. Even with all that, LSU was better. They deserved it, no doubt. Yeah. But I think they were so jazzed up by, by Mulkey that then they won, and they kept reverting back to Clark. And so mm-hmm. they have every right to do that. I'm not even necessarily being critical of it. I'm just kind of, I think, just kind of saying a, a, something that's pretty obvious. So 
why, when you've got the microphone, when Holly Rowe is interviewing you, why in the world are you still talking about Caitlin Clark? Yeah. This is your, probably your one moment on national television. Focus on your team. Focus on yourself. Now, again, they have every right, but I think they just couldn't turn off the we're being disrespected by Clark, which they really even weren't being disrespected by Clark. They were being disrespected by maybe the media. And then they turned it on Caitlin Clark, the old living rent-free in someone's head, clearly. <laughs> but why? Why? Right. You know, and that's right. where the monkey should have said, hey, guys, you just won. Stop it. Clark is amazing. And she is the big cheese of this tournament. Of course she is. Yeah. Record-breaking. I mean, Clark was the story of this. If there's a Sports Illustrated cover, it's Clark. But, right. but that's... And- I found that a little unusual, what they were doing. Christine, just a quick question. Which month should LSU play Iowa this fall? Should they play in November right before Thanksgiving or during the Christmas holiday? Because that, I mean, <laughs> granted, ESPN and uh, you know the, the NCAA is not calling me for scheduling ideas, but that is a must-happen game. Yeah. And women's basketball knows how to promote itself. That is a must-happen game this oh. upcoming fall. Without a doubt, Dave. In fact, why not a home and home so you can have a yeah. few people going crazy in, in uh, Baton Rouge and then in uh, Iowa City with the Iowa fans? I absolutely. I think you do it. And who's going to want to transfer? I was losing some people, obviously. Uh, wow, that transfer portal—they can go to town. Yeah. What, what athlete wouldn't want to go to Iowa to be on the receiving end of those passes of yeah. Caitlin Clark? I mean, so yes, I think the TV ratings would be huge, absolutely off the charts. Uh, and I know they won't do a home and home, but I think they should. And real quick, we got to touch on this uh, th- this thing with the White House because Jill Biden on the night after the championship was saying basically we need to have Iowa there too. Like it was such a great game and all this, that, and the other. Now she has since walked that back. Right. We're recording this Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, her press secretary released a statement saying, "Well, she was excited about <laughs> you know just uh, you know how great it was for women's sports and all of this." and uh, didn't necessarily invite both teams. But that would be, I, I mean, to, to my knowledge, that would be unprecedented to have a champion come and the team they beat. And the only time that you would bring this up, again, it comes back to race, unfortunately, because if yeah. it was the other way around, she wouldn't be inviting LSU. But the team, that, I mean, this was a predominantly white team that lost by 17 points in this championship game. It's It, it, it was it was a compelling yes. game, right. but it wasn't as competitive as we had hoped for. It was but, just as, it, you could say, it was just as you know uh, much of a gap as the men's championship correct. game was. And you don't see San Diego State getting invited to the White House. Exactly. So it's like she's, you know, Caitlin right. Clark's a big star, in, in, and I respect that. And I love that because of what it's done for not just women's college basketball but women's sports in in totality but you know (laughs) i know you wanted to touch on that christine because it it it, it is unprecedented right yes i i can totally get what jill biden dr jill biden was probably thinking i yeah i I don't even think that's racial because i think if you make caitlin clark a black woman with the exact same stuff she's doing breathes from the logo Mm -hmm. those passes i mean those unbelievable passing I actually think the nation is pretty much the same enthralled. I mean, Steph yeah. Curry, I, I, I do. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go all the way there. I, yeah. As a suburban white girl from the <laughs> suburbs of Toledo, I, I, it's easy for me to say that. But I do think race is a huge part of everything, right, in our country today. I, and, Rob, I certainly, you know, defer to you and, and, and life experience, 100%. Sure. Um, but I do think... In this case, I do think it was probably just the excitement. Here's the answer. Here's what she wants. The White House wants Caitlin Clark at the White House. 
because she is the biggest story in college sports. I, and that's not me. I think several male sports writers said next yeah. year, biggest story in college sports, football, yeah. men's basketball, women's basketball, Caitlin Clark. Yeah. And so the White House wants her there. So you know what? Have LSU normally the way you would. Of course, they're the winners. They yeah. deserve it. And they're fascinating themselves. Then have a Title IX event or have some other event. You can have 10 right. million events at the White House. And bring Caitlin Clark in to be the one who is, uh, you know, an honored guest. I mean, of course, you can invite Caitlin Clark anytime. Shoot, have her shoot threes with a D.C. girl, you know, on, the, <laughs> right. uh, uh, on a court. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a million ways to have Caitlin Clark. So, uh, to me, that was all about the fact, because, you know, Clark was the leading scorer in the, in, the, in the game. I mean, she certainly was the player of the tournament. She didn't win the award because her team didn't win. But there's no doubt that Caitlin Clark is the player of the year, not only, you know, during the season right. and won those awards, but also in the tournament. I mean, she is the tournament, but her team lost. Right. And I think you can have those two conflicting thoughts, but I'm sure that's what was driving Dr. And, Biden. And, and clearly it's, it's good that they changed. The other part of that is not just the Caitlin Clark of it, but also the Iowa caucuses. Yes, <laughs> I hear that's happening. My, oh, next year. That, How about that? Yeah. That tip to my brother for pointing that out to me immediately in the aftermath. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Dave. Caitlin Clark, when she ex- uh, exploded onto the scene, I, I voted the last uh, seven, eight years for the Big Ten preseason and postseason women's awards. And just, yes, she's a great shooter. Yes, she's a fantastic passer. I love how she rebounds. She, uh, yeah. she, she does a little bit of everything. A few years ago, Iowa had a player by the name of Samantha Logic who defied Logic as like a five foot eleven guard who got a ton of boards. Caitlin's just like that as well. And you know, congrats to both coaches uh, putting together fantastic teams. Uh, Kim Mulkey as well as uh, Lisa Bluter, uh, you know, Monica Sedano, fantastic player in the post. I loved the inside-outside game that the Hawkeyes had. I also really enjoyed the juggernaut that Don Staley put together at South Carolina. I'm bummed that they were able to beat the Terrapins, the team that I covered this past uh, Monday. And yes, I love the controversy and how that's driving the needle, but I also love to talk about the games, and I hate the fact that a few years ago, when Kentucky was unbeaten, the men, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin beat them on a Saturday but lost to Duke on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I thought that may have played into this last weekend where Iowa beats an unbeaten South Carolina, and then, you know what, it's tough to yeah. beat two alpha dogs you know, in, in two straight games. Not that not that Virginia Tech was chopped liver, no, but, right. uh, and, and what a great story that was for the yes. Hokies to get to their first ever Final Four. I love to tell stories, and yes, I know the big story is, you know, Angel against Caitlin Clark. It's a shame that that has hogged the spotlight, you know, even though there's a net gain in publicity for the sport. And at the risk of continuing that, just seeing that whole exchange, it made me think, what are some of the best show-ups in sports history? Okay. Mine is, and I know it wasn't directed at a particular player, but... Terrell Owens, when he strutted on the star in Dallas, you remember that in yeah, 2000? Yeah. Now, mind you, I was you know, I was still relatively a kid back then, but to me, it was just great to see just blatant disrespect of that star because, you know, I grew up a you know, fan of Washington, yeah. dressed in burgundy and gold watching that. I never liked the 49ers so much, but watching somebody disrespect that stupid star was just a, just a beautiful thing. So that's one of my favorites uh, and, and probably an honorable mention if I can use honorable in this way. When Shaquille O'Neal dunked on Chris Dudley okay, and yeah. then shoved him and then Dudley chucks the ball back at him. That was one of my favorite show up 
moments. Do you have one, Christine? Or are you, you're, you're too classy for this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am old school. Yeah. So as, after talking all about this and trash talking and everything, yeah. I would love it if people didn't trash. You know, I, I, I'm a big, you know, shake hands. Now, obviously, Iowa yeah. did go and, you know, Caitlin Clark's running to shake hands and, and Angel's bird dogging her or whatever, yeah. you know, and not shaking hands. I'm like, hey, okay, you know, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of that and treating people well. And right. um, so while we're talking about the controversy, I'm saying it's a good thing. I am cool, cool <laughs> in that way. Mm. You know, I, I, this is when I actually hated, but it was quite something. 2010 yeah. Olympic Games in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, covering um, those, and I've covered, been so fortunate to cover a lot of Olympics. And in the men's figure skating, uh, the American Evan Lysacek wins the gold, upsetting Evgeny Plushenko, who's the reigning gold medalist from Russia. And the Russians are the worst ever, and they are the worst losers. They cheat, they lose. I mean, they the doping. I mean, it's just they're the worst. They should be kicked out of the Olympics forever. So I hated this, but it was something else. Plushenko is furious that he didn't win. So they, they bring these guys out. to The medal stand is there, gold, silver, bronze. And they bring them out in reverse order, you know, kind of like a show, you know. So the silver medal, Evgeny Plushenko, he comes out onto the ice, and he climbs onto the top of the platform, the gold medal platform. And then, like, I, he only waited a minute or a second or two. and But someone comes, you know, like, people are like, what? And then he realizes it's not going over well, and he climbs back down to the <laughs> silver medal platform Ooh. where he belongs, and then Evan Lysacek shows up, and Evan missed, you know, it's like, you know, what are you doing, dude? And But Evan missed, and didn't, almost like Caitlin Clark to not seeing Angel Reese, same thing, like Evan wasn't yet there to experience it, so it totally was lost on the person he wanted to diss, but I hated it, it was ridiculous, I wrote about it, I criticized him, what a goofball, what a... You know, just silly, ridiculous thing to do. Yeah. But it was so Russian. And <laughs> so I, I'm so upset I lost. I can't stand it. I'm going to go up to the top of the gold medal platform. I thought, okay, you know, that is, that's a new one for me. <laughs> oh, my God. How about you, Dave? Christine, I'm with you. I'm not a trash talking guy. And so it just it turns here. my stomach. Like, I was I'm just the only like, one here. I was like, really? You know, so I'm not a fan of it. Uh, along the lines of Olympic celebrations, you know, cele- I, I, lo- I still, in my mind's eye, see Mike Ruzioni having his teammates come on. The, the medal stand with them in 1980 still gives me it's it, it, it doesn't give me the misty eyes that attaboy clarence does at the end of it's a wonderful life but it's close man this is this is where i need george yeah, i'm boring. i need, I need I'm george boring. to back me no, up with i did the trash talk man. i did love the uh who is it billy white shoes johnson yeah. the uh his, his his little touchdown dance it, it, that's not, really not trash talking per se yeah. i did like michael jordan's shrug after just sinking a ton of shots against, I think, Portland in the NBA yeah. Finals. Six one threes year. in the first yeah. half. And just Back like, when that hey. was a thing. Back when like, that was a big deal. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the extent of me, sadly. Now, Steph Curry does that in the first quarter now. So Ricky it, it Henderson holding the base above his head and talking about himself in the third person. That I loved. Oh, man. Ricky's going to talk about Ricky. Oh, yeah. So uh, Christina's on her way to the Masters. And so we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on uh, some of the golf here as uh, we get the first major tournament uh, from golf uh, coming up here this weekend. And uh, you can't have this discussion without talking about Tiger Woods. 60 to 1 odds to win it. Uh, There's two things that I'm known for on this show, Christine. Number one is that I'm always going to pick Tiger to win a tournament that he's in. And the other thing is I'm going to advocate for Washington to sign Cam Newton to be the quarterback. So the latter... (laughs) 
the latter isn't going to happen. So no. uh, I think there's a better shot at 60 to 1 odds for Tiger Woods to win this thing. <laughs> now, he's made 22 straight cuts at the Masters. I think he does it again. I think a top 15 finish yep. uh, uh, is is reasonable, but I think he wins it. Five of his 15 majors and his most recent major title have come at the Masters. So I'm I'm feeling good about his chances, even if Vegas doesn't. What uh, what do you think, Christine? And also, uh, the the weather is going to be a factor in this one. Very strong chance of rain and thunderstorms Friday and Saturday, so that's going to impact it. Well, it is, Rob. And also, it looks like the temperature is going to be not great. It's going to get kind of miserable and, and chilly or weird. Uh, it's certainly not normal for Augusta. Uh, I've covered Tiger, as you guys know, the length of his career and all the ups and all the downs and all the self-induced controversies and, and mistakes. Right. And he can make the cut. I, I'll, I'll go out there and say, yes, he makes the cut, in part because Augusta was made for him. Augusta National was made for him in terms of, you know, there, there's really no rough to speak of. And you can get out of trouble so easily from anywhere. Phil Mickelson's done that forever. Bubba Watson did that to win one Masters. You know, anywhere that in at a U.S. Open or British Open, you're literally, uh, you know, getting a triple bogey at best, maybe. Um, and you can you can par or even birdie at Augusta because you can get out of trouble so easily and save save par or do better. Mm-hmm. So that's great for Tiger. For him, it's not so much the golf; it's the walking. Yeah. Because with the car accident almost more than two years ago, uh, two years and almost two months ago, his leg is rebuilt. And it, he has what he has to do, as I'm sure your listeners know, every night he's got ice baths and he's got to do incredible massage and all kinds of other stuff he has to do just to get ready to play the next day because of that leg that it's amazing he's walking again. But you have to walk. And as, as you also know, doesn't come across so much on TV but the hills of Augusta, the up and down, even the first fairway, you go all the way down and you come all the way up this hill. I watched him last year trudging up that hill, first hole on Thursday. And he really was limping and bracing himself as he was going up that first fairway hill on his first round. And I think he's doing better this year. He says he's doing better. He's feeling better. All the therapy, all the work, amazing. I can't even imagine the hours that, that this requires. Again, yeah. it's because of his idiotic driving and thankfully not killing himself and others back in L.A. in February of 2021. But And you normally see that his scores will go up from Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Sunday because of the fatigue, because of the walking, because of the leg. So if somehow he can put, keep all that together, then yeah, I think he's he's in the mix. The same way Freddie Couples is all his name's always there. Bernard Longer, his name's always there. There's just something about the golf course that these guys who are older can still compete at least for a day or two. And I'm going to say Tiger makes the cut, uh, but I am also going to say I just don't see him winning. I would love to be proved wrong. Who does the weather favor then? Right now, Scotty Scheffler's playing great. Yeah. And, of course, he's the defending champ, and it's so hard to win a second time. And I would say but John Rahm Rom is a good one, right? Uh, John Rahm, he's he's due for his yeah. first green jacket. I mean, uh, leads the FedEx, uh, FedEx Cup standings, most wins this year, top ten, uh, six of the nine events he's played. So if if I was going to go in a non-Tiger yeah. direction, I think Rahm might be the safest one. 
Dave Preston is about to do a uh, Masters preview for WTOP.com. Uh, what, yeah. How's the field looking for you? You know, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still waking up for from three weeks of college <laughs> basketball and getting up at five in the morning. No, I, I Max Homa was a guy who impressed me at uh, TPC Avenue last uh, spring, winning the Wells Fargo. I, for some reason, I think that he might have a good weekend. Uh, the head says Max Homa, the, the heart says Rory McIlroy wins his first major this weekend. I, and I think I'm going to be wrong on both counts. Uh, a fun question, though, for you, Christine. Do you prefer to cover the Masters in the media center or out on the course? And if you're out on the course, where is the best spot for you to, uh, to set up shop to see the golfers go by? <laughs> love it. Exactly love it. First of all, I, I agree with you on Rory. Rory, uh, that would be an amazing story if he finally yeah. completes the career Grand Slam with that Masters. And the Live Golf story, 18 Live Golfers, that would be another kind of in-your-face to the Live Golf guys, as would Rom. So we'll see. There's going to be a lot happening. I am definitely love, I love being out on the golf course. As a journalist, as a reporter, you want to be out there. You want to smell it. You want to see it. You want to witness it. And my only um, sad note or, or realistic note is that when I'm on deadline on Sunday, with the tight deadlines we have, I have to then be back in the press center just because if you're out on the course, you could be missing somebody making a run to win the tournament. Where TV and the press center, you get the whole, the whole, uh, you know, ball of wax. You get to see everything. So those, that's the one time where you have to go in. It's not like being at a football game where a press box, you know, there it is in front of you, or a basketball game. It's right there in front of you. Golf is, of course, all over the lot, and often you will miss something if you're out there. So. Um, I will say, as much as Amen Corner is beautiful and it's like a movie set, the first time you see it, it's like, oh my gosh, it looks like, you know, because you've seen it so much on TV. I love number 10, as much as I love Amen Corner, and seeing that in person is amazing. And if you stand on the uh, tee or along the fairway looking down at this absolutely gorgeous green and the azaleas that are all surrounding that green, uh, number 10 is as pretty a view as you'll see on the golf course. And I guess, Christine, now time for a serious question. Uh, Tiger Woods, when he came on the scene, my first thought, you know, hearing stories about how he'd been raised to be a pro golfer by his father, Earl, my first, the first name that came into my mind was Todd Marinovich, the USC quarterback who was bred to be, you know, a, an NFL guy by his dad who his life went sideways. And I said, okay, watch out, Tiger Woods, this guy hasn't done anything yet. And then he did everything. What do you think it was that a allowed Tiger Woods to avoid being Todd Marinovich and do you think that there was but it's not as though Tiger came through everything unscathed so to speak I think he's an extraordinary once a generation maybe once in a lifetime kind of athlete Mm -hmm. that he just wanted it so bad it's just it's just unquenchable desire to win and to be better at all costs that included kind of like this trapeze act, this high-wire, risk-taking life outside of golf that, of course, cost him his marriage, cost him his endorsements. You know, he's got golf endorsements, but he I think most companies still want to stay away from him, and now there are legal issues again with Tiger. And so it's that same kind of unbelievable wanting the oxygen of victory and winning in golf that we admire that has also led to this ridiculous personal life that has caught our attention over and over, even if we try to avoid it and ignore it. And so, yeah, I mean, Jennifer Capriati comes to mind as someone who was headed the Marinovich way and then righted herself, I believe two Grand Slam titles she ended up with, right. and got her act together. 
sometimes that, that happens with athletes, but they do find a way. We certainly covered a lot of Olympians who burned out before we ever heard of them, or, you know, young athletes, and then also ones that make it like Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky, you know, just the greatest of all time. So um, Tiger's kind of the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, but it was the dad that pushed him, and he wanted it. It turns out that he wanted that push, the adrenaline, as I said, the oxygen of competing and winning. Um, there's no one quite like him uh, I've ever covered in my career, and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, he's absolutely fascinating, but again, those highs and lows, I think it's, it's because of the risk-taking, the high-wire act, and the wanting more, more, more insatiable on both, you know, golf and life that has gotten him into trouble, even as it has made him arguably the greatest golfer we have ever seen. God, I wish we could just keep going all day here. But, I know, uh, we, we have, don't. <laughs> but we, we are winding down. But I do want to part with this question because there have been a number of college basketball coaching hires. Uh, I know Dave was uh, super interested in this. And a number of guys with uh, with local ties. Tony Skin, who sidebar I actually went to high school with back in the day cool. at Tacoma Academy. Uh, Tony Skin uh, landing at his alma mater, George Mason, uh, 17 years after he uh, helped uh, get that team to the Final Four. Dwayne Simpkins landing at American, the uh, former Maryland Terrapin, and uh, Ed Cooley at Georgetown. Dave Preston, which of these is the uh, most impactful of the college coaching hires. I think the, the most impactful is Ed Cooley because it doesn't only, it, it, it marks a departure from the John Thompson Jr. era. Yes. And it also lights some fires inside the Big East where the, this, the, the, the quote unquote Catholic seven that moved on from what was the old Big East and is now the new Big East, what have you. There's some saltiness between the folks at Providence and at Georgetown. So, and that's, that's not going to die easy because these have been conference brothers and sisters for since 1979 mm-hmm. so I, I think that's that's going to ignite that rivalry a little bit I'm interested to see what Tony Skin will do because if he can continue he's had experience at the Big Ten level at, at the power five power six level and if he can bring that recruiting to George Mason where he's from if he can mine the DMV I think he can I feel that Mason is it's not a sleeping giant because they've been to the Final Four already. Yeah. But I think I think there is a great opportunity at that school and in a very good league that doesn't have a ton of powers right now. And you don't have the restrictions, per se, budgetarily, that you would have at American that Dwayne Simpkins is going to run right. into. So I think Tony Skin is probably going to be the best hire for his school long term. Mm-hmm. But I think the sizzle is all about Ed Cooley and Georgetown as they try to put you know fannies in the seats at Capital One Arena. And for the record, he was was a few years younger than me so we were never okay. in the same class he was a vicious dunker I can, that I can attest to well we'll see how he does as a coach Christine which of those hires do you think is the most impactful you know I've got to go with Dave Preston he knows a lot more about men's hoops <laughs> than I do especially in the DMV I'm all for good rivalries and people you know and jazzing it up and, and bringing to life what is really the city sport right yeah. I mean you were alluded to that earlier high school basketball when you think of Angel Reese and her cousin you think of, um, I mean, so many men and women. Right, and it's, so, and it's so much more than um, just uh, Kevin Durant, right? I mean, right. there's so many great athletes to come out of this area, and the problem is, and Dave could probably speak to this a little better, the, uh, for whatever reason, like Maryland and Georgetown and all these teams lose out to some of this 
local talent. Some of these guys are going to Florida. Some of these yeah. guys are going to, you know. I'm not saying that I was recruited to attend the University of New Hampshire as a student, but I didn't want to go to school <laughs> in New Hampshire, so I can understand why these kids uh, want to get out of the way. Uh, I guess two, uh, yeah. two, two big-picture basketball questions. Uh, the, the UConn men won their fifth national championship Monday evening, yeah. and in a big move from them, they were in that AAC, the uh, uh, American Athletic Conference of America, whatever you want to call it. They moved back to the Big East, you know, moving away from King football. And that really kind of got their men's program back on the right track, in my opinion. I, I guess that's not even a question. That, that, that's a statement. <laughs> but uh, as, as we move forward with the Maryland women, Christine, uh, Brenda Freeze had a fantastic season, wasn't voted coach of the year, although I did vote for her uh, in, in the Big Ten balloting. Uh, what do you see ahead for the Terrapins? Uh, it, it, despite all the transfers, she was able to put together a, you know, a, a roster of players who it wasn't a great roster necessarily on paper, but the, the way they played in a connected manner at both ends of the floor, they squeezed every ounce of their ability out there on the court. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm a big fan of Brenda Freeze. I know her, um, known her, interviewed her, been around her forever. I think she's one of the best in the country. And with this transfer portal situation now, I alluded to that, it was, you know, name, name someone who doesn't want to get to Iowa and have Caitlin Clark passing to you and, and shooting, et cetera. Um, but Maryland is always right there at the top of the list. The way she put that team together, losing so many others, and just coming back and making the Elite Eight, I thought it was just a terrific coaching job, one of her best. Also, since we obviously I've talked a lot about Caitlin Clark on, on this podcast, the, um, the fact how Maryland shut down Iowa and Clark and beat them by what? 25, 30 points yeah. at the end of February. Yeah, it was a very impressive win, and they held her to 18. A lot of those points were in garbage time, too. And uh, it, somebody actually, I think, brought a fish to the Big Ten tournament because they thought that she was <laughs> flopping. And so it was the last time yeah. Iowa lost until they lost LSU. And right. and frankly, this is probably one last thought on, on the whole Maryland situation, which would be also all sports, but yeah. we're talking Fern DeFries and, and women's basketball. I'm a Big Ten person. I went to Northwestern, got my undergrad master's at Bedell and, and journalism school at Northwestern. I grew up in Toledo. We were huge Michigan fans going at season tickets to Michigan football. So I'm Big Ten. I'm Big Ten all the way. I know it's still probably not a popular thought in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, that Maryland joined the Big Ten. Obviously, absolutely had to for the money. The Big Ten network is a cash cow, and that's why we see UCLA and USC getting in. But now what we're seeing and it may have taken a while. I think it's great for, for Brenda Freeze that Maryland is in the Big Ten. Are you kidding? You recruit, obviously, you can play Iowa. Indiana, what an amazing season Indiana had. And let's not forget Indiana, the home of Bobby Knight, and men's basketball is king. And now you had kids at 6 in the morning, students waiting in line to pack Assembly Hall for Indiana women's basketball. Again, that was a harbinger of where we were now with Clark. Things are changing. It is cool to go to women's hoops games, especially at these all kind of male-dominated hoop schools like Indiana. And Freeze can tap right into that. She's from Big Ten country. I think it's just fantastic for her. You can recruit someone and you can say, you're going to play Caitlin Clark. You're going to play Indiana. You're going to play these other schools, Ohio State, whatever. Um, and the, the balance is just extraordinary in the Big Ten. But they got to win another one because the Big Ten has only won one women's NCAA title, 1982 to now, and it was uh, Purdue in 99, which is just stunning. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if Brenda Fries gets another one before her career's over. And I'm, I'm going to say it, I think Brenda Fries is already yeah. the best basketball coach in Maryland history, regardless of gender, and I think she gets a second title. Uh, I think that puts any hope of a debate to rest. I'm going to say Kathy Reese, women's lacrosse, but, but, right, but, but as far as as, as, far as all the Maryland sports, you yeah. know. Yeah, but I wasn't thinking lacrosse because, you know, it's basketball apples, season. Apples and oranges. But it's no longer basketball apples season. Apples and oranges. And uh, it's no longer time for the huddle. We've, uh, <laughs> we're have we out of time. Uh, it's, as always, sponsored by MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork signing off alongside... Dave Preston and Christine, so we, Christine we hope we got you to the North Carolina border. Yeah, we tried right. to keep you on the phone throughout the traffic so you wouldn't be honking or cursing at, any, at anyone. Not that you would do so because you're not a trash talker. No, she's not a trash talker, but she is a USA Today columnist and commentator for CNN, ABC News, and PBS NewsHour. Christine Brennan, you are a delight. We appreciate you. Oh, my gosh, guys, it was great. Uh, Dave, Rob, thanks so much for having me. All right, and we're going to clap it up, guys. We're uh, Closing the huddle. Closing out the huddle.